Theodore Roosevelt History Stories Collection Although the son of a rich man, Roosevelt, both as boy and man, was most democratic. One of his forefathers, Klaus Martinson Van Roosevelt, came from Holland to New York in the steerage of a sailing vessel, a most lowly way to travel. This was long ago before Peter Stuyvesant was governor of New Netherland, as New York Colony was then called. Young Roosevelt had learned a few words of an old Dutch baby song. When in South Africa, he pleased the Dutch settlers by repeating the few words he still remembered. The settlers still teach this song to their children, though their forefathers left Holland for that country hundreds of years ago. Roosevelt's mother was a charming southern woman who was true to the South in the Civil War. Her brothers were in the Confederate Navy. One night, as she was putting the children to bed, Theodore broke out into a rather loud prayer for the Union soldiers. The mother only smiled. The father stood for the Union and for Lincoln. He helped fit out regiments and cared for the widow and the orphan. But there was no quarreling in this home over the dif these differences. Theodore was a sickly boy, hence he was sent to a private school or had a tutor. The children spent their summers among the delights of a country home. They had all sorts of frolicsome games. They had pets, cats, dogs, rabbits, woodchucks, crows, and a Shetland pony. They ran barefoot and joined their elders in playing at haying, harvesting, and picking apples. In the fall, they climbed the hickory and the chestnut trees in search of nuts. Sometimes they played Indians in real fashion by painting hands and faces with pokeberry juice. But the children thought that by far the happiest time was Christmas. Roosevelt declares that he never knew another family to have so jolly a time at that season of the year. Roosevelt makes a statement I wish every boy could make. My father was the best man I ever knew. Roosevelt, the father, did not permit his children to become selfish. Each was taught to divide his gifts, not always an easy thing for older folks to do. In this home, the children were taught to avoid being cruel and to practice kindness. Idleness was forbidden. The children was, were kept busy doing interesting things. Neither was young Roosevelt permitted to play the coward. He was taught to face unpleasant things like a man. His father could never stand a lie, even if it were only a white one. There was no room in that home for the coward or the bully. At fifteen, after a year or more spent in Egypt, Palestine, and Germany, Theodore came home a more enthusiastic American than ever. He now began to prepare for college. He entered Harvard in 1876. He made a good but not a brilliant student. Throughout his course, he taught a mission Bible class. He would not be without something to do even on Sunday. He graduated with Phi Beta Kappa honors. Yet he was not a bookworm, but fond of all college sports. He was a genuine sportsman without being sporty, as a boxing match once proved. One day, Roosevelt and another student were having a hard fight. Students crowded around. The battle was hot. Time was called. Roosevelt promptly dropped his hands while the other fellow landed a smashing blow on Roosevelt's nose. Foul! Foul! shouted the students. No, he did not hear, cried Roosevelt, and warmly shook hands with the offending student. How many boys can stand a blow in the face and not get angry? Roosevelt could.
Roosevelt had a resolute will, and he could determine to make himself stronger so far as he could. He took boxing lessons and became skilled in this art. He rode horseback in the chase. He took long tramps into the dark woods of Maine. In the summer, he went on canoe trips, and in winter, on long hikes on snowshoes. This frail boy, through his determination, became a man noted for his ruggedness and ceaseless energy. He had a keen love of adventure. As a rancher, hunter, and explorer, he met constant hardship and danger, but Roosevelt welcomed it all as part of the game. He joined a local Republican association in New York. His rich friends laughed at him for joining hands with saloon keepers and ward healers. They would not do it, but this young Democrat did. He was nominated for the assembly. He must now show his mettle. He began canvassing the saloon vote. A saloon keeper declared his license too high. Roosevelt declared it too low. He said if elected, he would make it higher. In spite of opposition, he won. Before he got through at Albany, he learned that no man could be a fearless leader whose moral character was weak. Another lesson he learned was that a man must act in office as if he were never to hold another. He was elected three times to the assembly and made a name for himself in fighting bad laws and demanding good ones. After this, Roosevelt spent a number of years in the great Northwest. These years added to his strength and helped him become finely developed both physically and morally. In the time he spent on the ranches of this wild region and on a Dakota ranch of his own, he lived as a cowboy. He was a young man then, and with all the enthusiasm of youth, he hunted the big game of the Rockies, rode the bucking bronco, and slept with his saddle for a pillow in the roundup. This life tested courage as well as endurance, but Roosevelt was equal to the test. One day, a drunken fellow with pistols in his belt ordered him to treat the crowd. Roosevelt knocked him down and took his guns from him. Another time, a boat was stolen, and Roosevelt, with two other men, started down the river in pursuit. They caught the three thieves, but an ice jam prevented them from going farther. Through days of bitter cold, the whole party followed the slow-moving jam. After a while, there was nothing left to eat but bread made with the brown river water. But Roosevelt was a deputy sheriff. He was determined to punish the lawbreakers. Finally, provisions and a wagon were found. Leaving his men, Roosevelt started with his prisoners on a two-days overland trip. He had a driver, but he himself tramped through the mud with his gun behind the wagon. At last, after a 150-mile trip, the lawbreakers were landed in jail. In this big, young country, where bravery and manliness meant so much, the people thought there was no one like him. He was surprised just before he left for the East to find that he was to be nominated for mayor of New York. At the early age of 28, he was defeated. He served as civil service commissioner for four years under President Harrison and for two years under Grover Cleveland, a Democrat. He was not head of the commissioners, but he worked so hard and fought the spoilsmen so boldly that everybody called it Roosevelt's commission. He had to fight Republicans and Democrats alike, for they were bent on turning all men out of office simply because the positions were needed for their party workers. In 1895, Roosevelt was appointed police commissioner for New York City. As head of the police board, he was on the health board, too. He took special delight in looking after playgrounds for the children of the slums. He was aided by Jacob Russ, who wrote, How the Other Half Lives. 
Roosevelt's idea was to take children from the streets and put them in playgrounds to prevent them from becoming toughs. A Washington City editor said Roosevelt is the biggest man in New York City. I saw a steady stream of people go up and down the stairs which led to police headquarters. He has more visitors than the president. The truth is, as police commissioner for all New York, he was commander-in-chief of an army. A policeman before could not get promoted without a pool, but Roosevelt changed this. A Civil War veteran who had served for a long time as a policeman and had no influence rescued 28 men and women from drowning. Congress had given him two medals, but New York City did nothing. Roosevelt came. The veteran one night plunged into the icy river and rescued a woman. Roosevelt showed his appreciation by promoting him. Every man on the force did his best now, for he knew promotion would come. Roosevelt was called to be Assistant Secretary of the Navy under President McKinley. He built up the Navy and sent Dewey with the fleet to the Pacific. The war with Spain came, 1898. Roosevelt resigned from his office, raised the Rough Riders, and took command with Colonel Wood. For bravery in leading the Rough Riders in a gallant charge up San Juan Hill, in the face of a murderous fire, he was promoted and a medal was ordered for him. He went back to New York with his Rough Riders. They fairly worshipped him. He knows everybody in the regiment, said one. He is as ready to listen to a private as a major general, said another. The boys presented him with a statue of the Bronco Buster. Tears ran down the suntan faces as a comrade made a touching speech. Roosevelt now was a real hero. On his return from war, he was elected governor of New York. He told the leaders of his party that he would be controlled by no man or set of men. He said that he would gladly talk with all classes of men, but must be permitted to make up his own mind. This was the plain talk for the bosses. He just plays the honesty game, said a Tammany politician. But he had the same old battles as in the days when he was a young man in the assembly. He tried to run the government of the state in a business-like manner, and his fight for cleaner politics was so determined that it caught the interest of the entire country. After two years, he was nominated for the vice presidency. The New York bosses were glad because they knew that as president of the Senate, he could do very little to disturb them. But he had set a good example, and the great man who brought notice of his nomination said, There is not a young man in the United States who has not found your life an influence and incentive to better things and higher ideals. He made a whirlwind campaign. He spoke for eight weeks in 24 states, traveling more than 20,000 miles, making nearly 700 speeches to 3 million citizens. In just six months, President McKinley was assassinated, and Roosevelt became president. The young man who had made himself strong, who cherished the memory of his father and mother, who had taught the mission class while in college, who had joined the Republican club against the vice of his friends, who had fought against spoilsmen in state and national politics, who battled for the right of children to a breathing place in New York City, who had led the Rough Riders up San Juan Hill, who had stood as governor of New York against wrongdoing in high as well as low places, who was made vice president against his will for the good of his party, now stood at the height of political power in America. The people loved him so well that they called him to be president a second time. His motto as president was a square deal for everybody. 
He did many things as president. He stopped men from stealing public lands in the West. He built great dams in the dry regions, told the water for raising crops. He established national parks containing millions of acres of woodland. He kept millions of acres of coal lands from falling into the hands of private companies. He established 51 national reservations where birds might nest and live protected from harm. How he did enjoy saving what nature had given men. Down to his time... Roosevelt was the most learned man ever president. He knew more subjects and knew them better than most men. He was a great writer. For a long time, he thought that writing was to be his career. It turned out to be only a small part of his crowded life, yet he wrote over 30 books, more than any other president. He wrote histories, books on hunting, essays on American life and ideals, and lives of famous men. His story of his own life is well known in his book, the strenuous life. He tries to rouse other people to as active and fearless a life as he himself lived. He wrote always in vigorous, stirring language. Nearly everyone agrees that Roosevelt's books alone would have made him famous. Roosevelt was president nearly two whole terms. He refused another term and worked for the nomination of his Secretary of War, William Howard Taft. Taft was well fitted for his new task as president. He had ha held many public offices. He had made a very wise and successful governor of the Philippines. President Taft was deeply interested in the need of world peace. He submitted to the Senate wide-reaching treaties to uphold peace with France and Great Britain and also a reciprocity treaty with Canada. Under this last agreement, the two countries were to treat each other's trade alike and some things were to be free of duty. The outcome was disappointing. Canada failed to accept the Reciprocity Treaty and the Senate passed the British and French peace treaties only after changing them greatly. The passage of a new tariff bill caused a sharp division among the Republicans. The tariff was much criticized, but President Taft defended it. This was one reason why in the second half of his term, the lower house of Congress became democratic. A divided Congress could not easily agree on any needed laws. Yet many good laws were passed during Taft's presidency. One was a parcel post measure, two others proposed constitutional amendments for the taxation of incomes and the election of United States Senators directly by the people. Two new states, New Mexico and Arizona, were admitted to the Union. The growing differences between the two wings of the Republicans in 1912 led to the nomination of both Taft and Roosevelt. Both were defeated by Woodrow Wilson. After he left the presidency, Mr. Taft became professor of law at Yale, but he now worked more earnestly than ever in behalf of world peace. His sincere and generous efforts in this cause won him increased influence and respect throughout the nation. Roosevelt, after his defeat in 1912, started out to explore a Brazilian river. Four years before, he had also made a hunting trip through the tropical wilderness of Africa. Now neutrality and failure to get ready for the war which he saw coming. When America declared war, he begged to take an army to Europe. Although for some reason he was not sent, he did send four sons. Two of them, Theodore and Archie, were wounded, and Quentin gave his life flying and fighting inside the German lines.
World War, Roosevelt stood for the Allies from the first. He opposed Roosevelt and his party went into a jungle. In January 1919, Theodore Roosevelt died. They were faced with tremendous hardships of all kinds. The trip was longer than they expected, and there was little food in the jungle. They ate palm cabbages and were glad to find a bit of wild honey or shoot a monkey. Most of the party became ill with fever, but they scarcely dared halt. With their few provisions, they were in danger of starving. Roosevelt begged the party to leave him behind, but no one would hear of, of it. So with his party, Roosevelt pushed on to civilization at grave risk to his life. The Brazilian government renamed the 600-mile river he explored Rio Roosevelt.